0: Welcome to the B'nai B'rith International Podcast. I'm CEO Dan Mariaschen. Thank you for spending part of your day with us in this audio format. If you're joining us for the first time, we've recently rolled out the podcast as space to hold frank and interesting conversations with our experts on staff. We've been discussing our advocacy for Israel, our commitment to the nation's seniors, our humanitarian relief work, and on our organization's history. In just a moment, we'll be talking about the Cuban Jewish community and more than 20 years of B'nai B'rith missions to the island. Before we get started, though, just a couple of quick reminders. If you're new to the on-demand audio format known as podcasting, it's an easy way to stay current with the organization during your commute to work, while you're at the gym, or just tidying up around the house. Be sure to visit our website, b'nai for more information on the content you hear today. You should also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Keep an eye on all three of those channels for the next episode of the show. But the easiest way to get the latest episode is to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play on your smartphone. It's easy. Simply open up your podcasting application on your iPhone or the Google Play Store on your Android. Search B'nai International and then hit subscribe. That way, every time we release a new episode... It will be downloaded straight to your phone. Joining me today is my colleague, Sienna Gergenti. Sienna is the Assistant Director of the International Center for Human Rights and Public Policy here at B'nai B'rith, and the Director of the Cuban Jewish Relief Project. So let's get into it. We've got a lot to talk about. Sienna, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Now, before we talk about B'nai B'rith's Cuban Jewish Relief Project, I would venture a guess that there are many who aren't aware that there is A Jewish community in Cuba. So what can you tell us about it?
1: Absolutely. Well, the Jews came to Cuba as early as with Christopher Columbus, uh, but the real foundation of the Jewish community began in the early 20th century. Um, Jews primarily that came from the United States to set up communities in Cuba. Uh, but those communities grew over time uh, with immigrants from the Ottoman Empire, well, then from Turkey, uh, and also those that were later escaping uh, persecution throughout Europe. Uh, so those communities grew, and at its height, there were 25,000 Jews in Cuba, uh, and just before the revolution, um, they were at about 15,000. Uh, that number, of course, over time has shrunk, um, and we see, have seen a number of exoduses from Cuba uh, by the Jewish community. So today, uh, depending on who you ask, the number is anywhere from about 500 core members of the Jewish community across the island through up to about 1,500 uh, on, on, based on different estimates.
0: Most of those who left uh, went to Florida, went to Miami?
1: Yes. Many, many of those who left, uh, particularly after the, the revolution, did leave for Miami. In fact, many of those who came from Europe um, prior, prior to, there, they came to Cuba with the expectation that they would simply be using it as a rest stop on their way to the United States. It uh, didn't happen for all, but certainly with the coming of the revolution, many did uh, make that journey onward.
0: So the revolution usually is marked by the year 1959, but long before that, there was a presence on the island, wasn't there?
1: Absolutely. Beginning in 1942, uh, the Maimonides Lodge, based in Havana, Cuba, was founded um, and was active throughout the period of the revolution. uh, Of course, with much fewer uh, in terms of membership numbers, um, but, but did remain, and, and today, uh, a very, very active community.
0: So that unit actually continued to operate and was active during all of these decades since 1959. Absolutely, yep. The Cuban Jewish Relief Project, why and when did it begin, and what is it that it actually does?
1: Absolutely. Well, the Cuban Jewish Relief Project is really a unique mission of B'nai B'rith International. It was founded out of a lodge of ours in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, in uh, the the early 90s, 94, 95, um, and and was really created based on uh, returning participants' drive to continue to support the Jewish community. during the the early nineties, after the fall of the Soviet Union, Cuba was in what they call a special period, uh, in which you know, time there was continual rolling blackouts, there were there was no food to be had, uh, and it was a very difficult time. For all of Cuban society. And it was at that point, really, that B'nai B'rith took the first step to start supporting these Jew- the Jewish community specifically, reconnecting them to the diaspora, reconnecting them to their roots of Judaism, and giving them the tools to support themselves and really practice their religion. Um, and that was something that came out of the fall of the Soviet Union when Cuba, uh, you know, once again opened itself up to uh, religious uh, practice on the island. Um, so so that was really the first impetus for B'nai Brith coming in and supporting the Jewish community. And over time, it has evolved to uh, support them in meeting other basic necessities, uh, program and project development and revitalization uh, alike.
0: So in the mid-90s, when this project began, there, there already was a, a structure of a Jewish community there, notwithstanding the fact that so many had left.
1: Yes, so they're uh, a very, very basic level structure. I think you know it took a lot of time after the revolution um, for for folks. You know, there was a period of of decades there where, you know, while while religious practice was not strictly forbidden across the island, it was um, you know certainly fell by the wayside. I think a lot of members of the community opted not to practice openly for, for fear or, or whatever it might be. So, um, you know, there were people that were raised with Jewish traditions in the homes, but didn't even maybe necessarily know that they were Jewish. So I think those very early years after the fall of the Soviet Union enabled um, organizations like ours to come in and bring people out of the woodwork, so to speak, and really reintroduce what it meant to be Jewish. Um, so that structure did, you know, it was established in those very early years um, and, you know, grew from there.
0: The the groups that went in in the mid-90s were, were bringing uh, religious articles, food, medicines. What were they bringing in with them?
1: All of the above. Um, there was a, and still remains, Truth be told, uh, you know a high demand for medications that are simply not accessible in the island. Basic necessities—you're talking about foodstuffs, you know, canned tuna, um, you know, powdered milk, uh, things like that. Clothing, um, just just really anything you can think of that that you know an individual might need to survive. On top of all the Judaica items, um, you know, B'nai B'rith in its early years uh, helped. Provide a, a Torah to the community in Santa Clara, um, and and other and other items of this sort.
0: But in order to bring groups in, uh, there were uh, regulations that were out there. Uh, explain a little about that, because it wasn't as if you could just hop on a plane and 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 land in in Havana. There were certain regulations that had to be carried out in terms of uh, groups going from here. Correct?
1: Right on the on the U.S. side, regulations. Um, have evolved over the years, but, uh, you know, in the beginning it was much more complicated to get the licensing required to be able to travel to Cuba. Um, you know, as a result of the embargo, travel restrictions were such that, uh, it it was quite a process to get the licensing, um, so that's all, you know, through the Office of Foreign Assets Control at Treasury Department and, and receiving proper authorization. In the beginning, it required uh, applications, it required lawyers, it required approval. Um, today, we're, you know, at a point where um, the, the Obama administration has kind of uh, – released some of those uh, regulations, and and things are shifting so that you do not necessarily require pre-authorization to travel under a set uh, number of categories of travel. Bene B'rith, for our part in our project, have always traveled under religious and humanitarian licensing.
0: So when a group goes in, just give us a typical run-through of an itinerary. Absolutely. Because you just uh, completed a, a visit. We have several that go each year. Uh, what is it that, uh, once you arrive, what is it that you do?
1: So our groups um, go through, and, and depending on the itinerary, we we always spend time in Havana, where the concentration, uh, largest concentration of the Jewish community is. Um, but we do make every effort to take our groups outside of Havana to visit smaller pockets of the Jewish community in the central and eastern provinces. Um, so, for instance, the trip that we that I just returned from uh, had us. Celebrating Hanukkah with the uh, Patronato Jewish Community Center in Havana in the Vedado neighborhood. Um, it was the annual Hanukkah party, um, and there were hundreds of members of, of the community that were there celebrating together with our group. Um, and there were presentations from the youth group and the different Rikudim troops, so it was a really Fabulous uh, affair, and from there, you know, we spend time going from community to community, learning from the Jewish community leaders about uh, their communities, about their their efforts and their activities to support the the congregants. Um, so we'll go and we deliver gifts for the community. Um, again, in the in the same line as medications clothing, foodstuffs, Judaica, um, really everywhere we go. Um, And we'll, you know, throw in a visit to the uh, Jewish cemeteries along the way um, and really make efforts to spend time one-on-one with members of the community, always sharing in a Shabbat service uh, and meal with a community, depending on where we are, um, and and really engaging one-to-one.
0: Then last year we've had the reestablishment of diplomatic relations. How will that affect the community there and how will it affect uh, a project such as ours?
1: It'll be really interesting to see what transpires, uh, you know, with the coming changes. Um, Already over the past two years, we've seen a number of relaxation of of regulation for for travel. Um, I think it definitely encourages folks that might otherwise not have been uh, so keen to travel to to take up the mantle and, and go on their own. Um, and, and so it's to be seen how that affects the community. I think that across Havana, there's certainly, uh, an incredible influx of American tourists. Um, but you know, some of the communities in the provinces, I can, I can speak from my, my latest experience. We were the first group that they had seen since our own visit last December. Um, so they are seeing fewer and fewer groups, um, which just, you know, amplifies the importance of our own missions that are going in and supporting communities that might not otherwise be receiving visitors. um if things continue on this track, hopefully you know things will um open up and and the economic situation on the ground might change such that uh, you know our our work will will become obsolete. I mean, in the end of the day that would that would be the the greatest gift because uh, really we. We do this to help support the Jewish community. But for now, uh, the challenges on the ground remain, and so our support remains steadfast.
0: And uh, we can find out more about the relief project on our website.
1: Absolutely. You can visit uh, benebrith.org and find our our pages on the Cuba mission to find more information about uh, the work that we do and uh, the projects that we lead and other ways that you can get involved and certainly any upcoming missions that we might have.
0: Thank you, Sienna. That's uh, about all the time we have for today. We appreciate all the work that you do on this project and in other areas in which you work here at, at B'nai B'rith. Uh, thanks again for joining us for the B'nai Brith International Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it just as much as we have. Again, a reminder, please visit our website, Benebreth.org. like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter. Subscribe on your smartphone through the podcast app for iPhone or through Google Play for Android. Lastly, tell a friend if you've liked what you've heard. For my colleague Sienna Giorgenti, I'm Dan Mariashan. We'll talk to you next time on the B'nai International Podcast.